Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Well, we're launching the Community Bible Experience. We'll be starting tomorrow where we, as the whole church, are going to be reading the whole New Testament in eight weeks in 40 days. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. And the, the New Testament, hope you all got your copies of the New Testament. It's the New Testament is made up of 26 books, many letters, four historical biographies about the life of Jesus and the life of the early church. But in order to truly appreciate the New Testament, we need to understand the Old Testament. Why? Because the New Testament is the climatic ending of the Old Testament. Uh, when we take the Bible, the Bible is made up of, of two sections. You have the Old Testament and then you have the New Testament. And, and it will be wrong to think that they are unrelated. Because the whole Bible tells one big story. The story of God. And of God's plan to put the world right again. And the New Testament is the climatic ending of that story. The big story of God. And so, to understand the New Testament, we need to understand the big story. We need to understand the drama of the Bible. And so, uh, if you were to take your, your New Testament, the books of the Bible, right at the very beginning, on, on page III to VII, uh, so right at the beginning, before the page numbers have started, you'll see... The drama of the Bible in six acts. This is a brilliant summary of the big story, the drama of the whole Bible. Uh, and so I, I really recommend that you do read that. It's brilliant. It really is good. But you'll be pleased to know that this morning I'm going to give you a summary and an explanation of the drama of the Bible in six acts. So what are the six acts? acts act 1, God's intention. That's the story of creation. Act 2, exile. That's the story of Adam and Eve's rebellion. Act 3, the calling of Israel to mission. That's the story of Israel up until the point of Jesus. And then Act 4, that's where the New Testament starts. Act 4, the surprising victory of Jesus. Essentially the story of Jesus. Act 5, the renewed people of God, the story of the church. That's an incompleted act. Because we still got a role to play. We still got to fulfill our role within that act. And then the story ends in Act 6, where God comes home. The story ends where the whole universe, the whole of creation is restored and God comes home to live with His people, with us on earth. And so that's it in summary. Let's go through it uh, in a little bit more detail. So Act 1. God's intention. The drama kicks off with creation. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that God merely speaks the word and the whole universe, the whole cosmos comes into being. And God creates humanity, male and female. And God creates earth as a place for us to live. But a key verse is in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 
26 through 27, then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And so what we discover over here is out of all, everything that God created, only humans are created in the image of God. But what does it mean to be created in the image of God? To be created in the image of God firstly means that we have been created to reflect the character of God, God's love and justice and compassion to the rest of creation. We've been created to reflect God's presence and God's rule to the rest of creation. And so it's our job to imitate God. Just like a child imitates their parent, so are we to imitate God. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve do. They imitate God's creational activities by, by working the garden, by protecting the garden, by looking after the garden, by ruling over the rest of creation, and by taking responsibility for the rest of creation. Secondly, being created in the image of God implies that we have been created for an intimate relationship with God. You see, you can't reflect the character of God, the presence of God, and the rule of God if you don't know God, if you're not in a right relationship with God. So we've been created to be in a right relationship with God. And this is our purpose in life. This is our vocation. And this is what it means to be truly human. To be in that right relationship with God so you can reflect His character. His presence and His rule to the rest of creation. The other uh, remarkable thing that we discover in Acts chapter 1 is that God comes to live in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Earth is not only the intended place for humans to live, but it was the place where God wanted to live with His people. God comes to earth to live with His people in the, in the world He created. And this is God's intention. That humans would be in harmony with God, in harmony with each other, and in harmony with the rest of creation. And when God looked at all that He had made, He said, It is very good. Then we have Act 2. Exile. Everything goes wrong. The first human couple listen to the deceptive words of God's enemy, the accuser, evil in person. And when Adam and Eve, the first human couple, grab that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they are effectively asserting their own autonomy. They're turning their back on God. They're refusing to trust God. They're refusing to obey God. And they, they've decided to do things their own way rather than God's way. They're effectively saying, we know better. And this desire to live apart from God and to do things your own selfish way is called sin. 
And the consequences of doing and of living apart from God are, des- are dying. Rather than reflecting God's good rule over the rest of creation, humans now exercise a selfish dominion over other people and over creation. And this leads to marriages being destroyed, society being destroyed, the exploitation of creation. We were created to be in this life-giving, healthy relationship with God, with each other, and with the rest of creation. But now all these relationships are fractured. They broke. And we're left with the feeling of shame, emptiness, pain, brokenness, loneliness, and ultimately death. And so in the story we have the the first exile. Humans are banished. Humans are exiled from the presence of God. Because we desire to live apart from God, God gives us what we want. And God is now hidden from us. It is now possible to be in the world and not know God and not experience His presence. And because we've turned our back on the source of life, death is now a reality that we cannot escape. And the whole cosmos is out of sync. You see, humans were created as the image of God to mediate God's presence and God's rule and God's character to the rest of creation. But because we've turned our backs on God, we no longer mediate God's character and rule and presence. The whole of creation has gone out of sync. And so the question arises within the drama. Can this curse be overcome? Can the relationship between God and humanity be restored? And then, through this renewed humanity, can God restore the whole of creation? And so we enter into Acts 3, calling Israel to mission. God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, and He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In other words, God chooses Abraham's descendants, that's the nation of Israel. And it's through Israel that God is going to restore humanity. It's through Israel that God is going to bring blessing to all people. That means healing and forgiveness and life. And then it's through this restored humanity that God is going to restore the whole cosmos. So why does God choose Israel? Well, we're not told exactly, but what we are told is that Israel was the least of all the nations. Israel was poor and powerless. They were slaves in Egypt. Yet God chooses them. God chooses the weakest. And through Moses, 
God rescues Israel from slavery in Egypt and we have the ten plagues and ultimately the Red Sea crossing on dry ground. And then God makes a covenant, an agreement for a relationship with Israel. And the essence of the covenant, the essence of the agreement is that uh, Israel is to, is to remain faithful to God. Israel is to worship God only and, and to do things God's way. Rather than following their own selfish way, they were to follow God's way. In other words, they are to become the image of God. They are to become what they've always been created to be. And so God is restoring humanity within Israel. And so God gives them the Ten Commandments to follow. And God takes up residency. God comes home. He moves into the temple to live with them so they can have access to the presence of God. What happens if they make a mistake and mess up? Well, they institute the priests and the sacrifices. And the sacrifices was a symbolic way of showing that they were truly sorry and they wanted to make amends for what they had done. It's kind of like when I, get, I, I do things wrong and I have to take flowers to Victoria as a way of saying, I'm, I'm really sorry. I want to make amends in the relationship. And it was a symbolic way of showing that God had forgiven them, that the relation, that their sin had been atoned for, that their sin had been dealt with, and that their relationship had been mended. But Israel is called for a mission. Israel is not called to have a relationship with God, merely to have a relationship with God. Israel is called to have this relationship with God so that she can be a light to the nation. So that she can be a light to all people. So that she can show all people how to follow God. How to experience and find healing, forgiveness and life. How to truly be the image of God. How to be truly human. And so God is restoring all of humanity. However, God warns that... Uh, if Israel refuses to obey the covenant, if Israel turns their back on God like Adam and Eve, then they too would be exiled like Adam and Eve were. And, and Israel, just like Adam and Eve, they turn their back on God, they refuse to trust God, they refuse to obey God, they believe they know what's better, and they decide to do things their way, their selfish way, rather than God's way. And despite God repeatedly through the prophets warning them of the dire consequences of their actions, Israel's remained determined to do things their own way and to live apart from God. And so God gives them what they want. And God moves out, He abandons the temple. Foreign nations come and destroy the temple. Foreign nations come and drive Israel off into captivity. They go into exile, into Babylon. But it's not just a physical exile. They are driven away from the presence of God. They are no longer in a relationship with God. God is now hidden to them. They are just left with a feeling of shame, emptiness, pain, brokenness, and loneliness. And ultimately death. 
and they have this broken relation. Now this presents a profound problem within the biblical drama. Israel was meant to be the solution to the problem, but now Israel too has turned its back on God. Now you remember, of course, at the beginning, all creation was good, creation was in harmony, humans were reflecting God's presence and God's rule and God's reign uh, to the rest of creation, but then humanity turned their back on God. And so no longer was humanity re uh, reflecting God's presence and character and rule to the rest of the creation. So the whole creation had come out of, out of sin. Israel was the solution. Israel was meant to be the image of God to, to reflect God's presence and rule and reign to the rest of creation, to bring creation back into alignment, back into sync. But now Israel too has turned its back on God. And so this presents a profound problem in the drama of the, of, of, uh, the Bible. So what does God do? Is this the end of the story? Does God just abandon the whole project? No. God remains committed to His people and committed to His plan. And through the prophets, God promises to raise up a new king, a descendant of the great King David, who would lead the nation back to its destiny. And God promises to, to make a new covenant, a new agreement. And in this new agreement, God is going to write the God is going to put the law in our hearts. In other words, God is going to give us the Holy Spirit. No longer we're going to have a whole list of rules to follow, but God's going to give His Holy Spirit to come within us and live within us and enable us and empower us. To be the image of God. At the end of Act 3. At the end of the Old Testament. Israel is no longer in captivity. She has come back into her own land. But she's still in a state of spiritual exile. God is still hidden. Foreign nations are still ruling over her. The Romans. She's in exile. And this is the story of Israel. But this is also our story. For we too have all at some point turned our backs on God and have decided to live apart from God and to do things our own way rather than God's way. We too have declared we know what is best. And then we, we left wondering why can't I sense the presence of God in my life? Why, why does God always seem hidden? Why, why do I have this feeling of emptiness? Why do I feel this feeling of shame, pain, brokenness, and loneliness? Why do I have this fear of death? <coughs> It's because we are in exile. God is hidden from us. 
We have chosen to, to live a life apart from God. We've got so used to, to living apart from God. We've got out of the habit of, of seeking God. We, we, we don't even know how to connect with God. We're in exile. And so Act 3 ends tragically. With God absent. But the hope of the promise remains. God has promised to return to His people and take up residency with us. God has promised to bring forgiveness and healing and life. And God has promised to do this in a final and climatic way through the Anointed One, the Messiah, the True King. And so we wait for God's Messiah to come and rescue us from the state of exile. And this is where the story of the New Testament starts. We're just going to look at the New Testament very briefly because we're going to be start reading it uh, from tomorrow. But just to go through it very briefly, of course, Act 4 is uh, the surprising victory of Jesus. God comes to us in the flesh, in Jesus. And uh, what seems to be God's greatest defeat ends up being God's greatest victory. The death of Jesus on the cross seems to be God's greatest defeat, but it's actually God's greatest victory. For Jesus takes on the full force of evil and He removes all power. He enters it of all its power. And He pays the price so that we can experience forgiveness. So that we can be restored into a right relationship with God. So that we can become the image of God. Humanity restored. Act 5, of course, is the, the renewed people of God. The story of the church. God wants everyone, not just the Jews, to experience the blessing of healing and forgiveness and life. And so the earliest followers of Jesus went about telling everyone and anyone about the good news. And this is where the, the, the drama extends to our own time and we get enveloped into the drama. And we have our part to play. And the question is, how are we going to respond? Will we put our faith in Jesus and find forgiveness and healing and life? How do we fit in the story? What role do we play? Well, God is inviting us to be part of the mission. The mission of recreating the world. But the story, the drama doesn't end there. In Acts 6, God comes home. Although Jesus has already won the decisive victory over evil death, and although we can already experience the foretaste of this new life that we have in Jesus, we still live in a world where evil is present. Brokenness, wrongdoing, sickness, and even death remains. But Jesus' resurrection assures us that one day Jesus will return and all things will be made new again. Evil and sin and death will be completely destroyed forever. And we will experience new life empowered by the Holy Spirit in a renewed earth. And we won't be hindered by sin and evil and death. And at the center of it all will be God Himself. God will return to earth to make His home with us forever. And we will be able to experience God's presence freely and openly, just as it was at the beginning of the drama. And then, 
we will truly be the image of God, reflecting God's presence and rule over the rest of creation, just as God intended. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You for the drama of the Bible. We thank You that within it we can discover Your heart, Your intention and Your goal and Your purposes. And Father, we thank You that within it we find that You loved us so much that You were prepared to come in Jesus and die for us so that we could be restored to what we'd always been created to be, to be Your image. The image of God. Reflecting your character. Your life. Your presence. And your rule. To the rest of creation. That we can live in harmony with you. And harmony with other people. And harmony with all creation. We thank you for this vision. We thank you for this plan that you are committed to. So committed that you were prepared to die. Experience death for it. Father, we thank you that you love us so much, that you desire a relationship with us, that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And as we start reading the New Testament, Father, won't you speak to us afresh? Won't you help us be so caught up in the drama that we would be formed into your image more and more, that we'll become more and more like Jesus every day, and that we would know you more intimately. And so we commit the whole drama. Uh, community Bible experience to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.